everybody! Welcome to Let's Get Busy Living Sober. Busy Living Sober. Hey there! Hi, Elizabeth. Hey, Wheezy. <laughs> How are you today? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. I hope everybody out there listening is doing well. Ricky, Richie left. Richie Crawley left on his adventures on Saturday, which was good. I've watched him on Instagram, and he's making his way across the United States. Where is he now? He's actually, I think he's in somewhere in P Pittsburgh or Connecticut or somewhere. I didn't even pay attention to where he was, but I know he's on his way and he's healthy. And he talked about noise and I want to talk about shame today. What shame meant to me. I know for me, shame meant like being an alcoholic was the most shameful thing to be. Do you agree? I do. Wasn't it hard? Mm -hmm. I mean, it still is hard. I mean, you just had, I know that you just went on a date and you told the person that you knew me and a lot of people know, that know me know that I'm sober. So then they say, oh, well, how do you know Elizabeth, AKA busy? And you say, well, I don't know. I just know her. <laughs> and you had shame when you had to think about it. Well, and, yeah. And I've thought about that since I felt that and I realized that was the, probably the first time that I, I was angry at myself because I gave the impression that I was shameful. And that is the absolute last thing I want to do because I am very vocal about my recovery. And I think it was just a moment of feeling like I wanted this person to like me and... Um, I, I was just caught. I was just caught in this moment of not being able to be honest. And then I was caught in the moment of, if I'm not honest, it's going to look like I am embarrassed or shameful. And so what do you do? And so I just, I, I chose to come clean after I, you know, I kind of muddied the water by saying that, you know, I, I, I wasn't honest about how I knew you and so I just you know I had to I had to clean it up and so in doing that I, I just said that I'm recovering and you know this is how, how I look at it you know I don't I don't fault anybody and I was very clear that you know people might not want to or, or just choose not to be or want to be with someone that's recovering um, for so many reasons and a lot of them I think are legitimate you know I mean if I if I were to go out with someone that and I was you know I drank and I didn't have the disease I don't I mean I I, I married a person that was recovering you know and I was with him for 10 years and I didn't drink during that time um, you know as a matter of fact he was always encouraging me to drink because for whatever reason I mean he would you would never know that he didn't drink when he was at a wedding or whatever he was the one that was having the most fun and dancing the most and but you know it was it's just it's um it's you know a choice and I I, I don't fault anybody if they don't want to um have a relationship with me because I'm recovering um, and that's just a choice. And I don't think, thankfully, I'm at the point in my life where I am, I'm so happy with myself and I love myself that I don't take it personally. 
um, yeah, are there going to be disappointments or people, you know, that that maybe not judge you, but maybe it's maybe this person, maybe he wouldn't have wanted to be with you know someone that was recovering, but um, you know, it's just it's it's hard. It's hard to put it out there because you don't know the reaction. You have no idea. You really don't have any idea. It's just a risk, and but you have to be honest. And when you're honest, you know, um, you, know you just you're you're. I I felt like once I was honest, I I was confident in who I was, and I was I was just I, for a moment I really was angry that I even went that direction. You know. Right, because it sounds like, and the way you describe it, I mean, and just to give a little bit more backstory to the people that are listening, so Louise went on a blind date, and the person she went on a date with, <laughs> I had actually gone on a date with like 10 years ago. I went on one date. I, I, it was definitely not a match. And she got went on this date, and she, he asked her how he knew me, and that was where this all started. And when Louise told me what had happened, I was like, oh my gosh. It's crazy because you said I went to this place where I just got really quiet and I went, I left my body kind of, and he was like, hello, are you there? <laughs> and I can imagine that it's getting comfortable with acknowledging the fact that, yes, I have this disease. And so many people think it's not a disease, right? So well, many and that's what, I'm sorry to cut you off, but that's what I think makes me so hesitant. It's not because I'm not proud to be recovering because I was very uh, I I said that I if I had to do it all over again I, I, I probably would still you know I, I would choose the same path and I would everything you know I, I would just I would do it all again the same way um, I even think my children benefited from from um, my recovery and so you know it's just it's I think where I get hung up because most of the time I would say 85% of the time I don't ever I'm never um, reluctant to tell anybody I'm just not but I think when it comes to a potential relationship or someone that you know you're attracted to it's it's um, you're just scared because you don't know what what the reaction is going to be but the reality is that's who I am so either you're gonna like it or you you won't and and I just have to accept that but one of the things that I just thought about is like because we get fear of being rejected, right? Uh-huh. We're like we're going to be rejected because if you know who I am, you're not going to like me. Even though I'm in a program and I'm sober now. Mhm. I mean it's crazy, right? But I think it is because society doesn't understand what addiction is and realize that it is a disease. It's a disease of the brain and it's a disease that when it has not, it's nothing to do about the drink as much as it is what happens when we get that drink, right? I was talking to somebody this morning and she was talking about how she has been sober. The woman's been sober for 32 years and her son has 19 years. And she said, I went out for dinner with my ex-husband and my son and my son's wife and the son was celebrating his 40th birthday and he had 19 years of recovery. And she's like, and I sat down for dinner and my ex-husband and I looked at my ex-husband and I looked at my daughter-in-law and I said, you guys can order a drink. And they ordered a drink. And she's like, it's not that I didn't want to drink, but I watched them. And he, she's like, he didn't even drink the stupid drink. He ordered a glass of wine and he didn't even finish it. I mean, that's the difference. Right. And it's owning that 
ability, the fact that we can't process alcohol like normal people. It has nothing to do with control, right? No, but when you don't know what the person that you're with, what, you, that, what they understand about the disease, a lot of people don't at all. Um, they don't understand it and they think it's a choice or, you know, so it's, it's just, it's, it's hard. Even today, I, I thought to myself, oh, okay, so if he goes to work and someone says, how was your weekend? And he said, I went on a, you know, a date from match and, um, and he said, you know, it was good or I had fun and, but she's, you know, she's recovering. I just thought, oh my gosh, what if, what if, what if whoever he's telling has a real negative opinion of that, of, you know, a recovery alcoholic and says, you know, man, like, stay away, you know, don't, don't go down that road. And I did think about that. I can't obviously control any of that. And who knows if the conversation even happened or he told anybody about it, but I just, you know, that's where you're, you know, you start, that's the noise that you, you just start to, to run with all these thoughts about, you know, what does someone think that, or, or, or is there a thought that, you know, how do I know she's not going to pick up one day or, you know, but, but again, I can't promise that. I can only say I don't want to drink today and I really most likely won't want to drink tomorrow and I'm hoping that it's going to stick with me the rest of my life um, but you know it's just it's 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 tough it's hard and especially if you've been battling like I know for instance like I know when I was drinking a lot and people would say to me oh you're not an alcoholic I mean I have a family member who was like you don't jump on trains and you can hand just have one and I was like do you not understand and it wasn't that I lost anything except for myself, which is the biggest thing to lose. And um, But people belittling it and the noise that I had in my head going, oh my God, am I an alcoholic? Because look, she's right. I don't jump on trains. I don't drink my booze in a bottle. You know, I haven't been arrested. I haven't lost my car. I haven't lost my house. I haven't lost my kids. Am I really an alcoholic? And I think that that noise that's in our heads that we sit here and we play all these different scenarios. Does this person like me? Does this person not like me? Look at their, I compare my, my insides, how I feel on the inside to someone else's outsides. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? I do. And we sit, and I spend a lot of time looking at the outsides of people thinking, oh, well, are they going to like me? So I can be a chameleon on the outside, right? We can be a chameleon. I can dress whatever way you want me to dress so I can feel like I fit in, quotes, I'm doing air quotes, everybody, um, a way to fit in so that I feel okay. And see, alcohol made me feel okay. I mean, when I was little, I remember I didn't have a voice, right? You don't have a voice. And no one, I wasn't allowed, I, I don't want to say I wasn't allowed, but I wasn't encouraged to go run after whatever my dreams were. I was never encouraged to go do this, go do that. I was more like, you can't do that. You can't do this. You can't do that. You know, instead of being like, go do whatever you want to do that's in your heart that you feel that you need to go for. And I don't want that ever, that shame that I felt for even having the thought that I could do anything. I mean, I was shamed from feeling that way, feeling like I could be successful doing whatever I wanted to do. Mm Mm-hmm. 
I mean, that shame that I felt drove me to drink. That shame of like, oh my God, I'm, am I ever going to be enough? Is this ever going to feel like I'm okay? Because I see all these other people and they look like they're doing their lives and they look like they're okay on the outside. They look like they're, I mean, I have a friend who's in the program who's like, I remember she would drive. She's like, I remember I would drive to my kids to school and I'd look at these other moms and they look so put together and look like they had it all going on. And she's like, and I was dying inside and I couldn't tell anybody. And was like, what do they, how can they do that? How do they live their life by just doing this stuff that to me is so hard to do without alcohol or drugs? Showing up. Yeah. Being there instead of listening to the noise. Because I can, and I don't want to speak for you, but I can, I could hear you when you discussed, when she called me yesterday and told me about the date. And I could feel like that sense of like when someone said, oh, who are, when they say, who are you? Like the last thing you want to say is, oh, by the way, I'm an, I'm an alcoholic that's in recovery. I mean, that's a hard thing to say. Right. Because it doesn't define you. I mean, it is who you are, but I mean, you, you have to put it out there because it does you know, it can change things. I mean, it doesn't, and here's the thing, you know, he drank and he had a couple cocktails or Bloody Marys and, you know, it was, it, it was fine. It was completely fine. Um, you know, he didn't have 10, which I would have had, or I would have had three there and then, you know, continued on for the rest of the day once I had one. So it, it just wasn't, it wasn't that, it, it wasn't an issue for me at all but but I also understand that it, it does make things different I mean it just it, you know let's face it um you know when when people would go on a date I mean most likely if you're not a recovering alcoholic you're going to a bar you're you're having a glass of wine or you're having a beer and you're just taking that edge off because you're nervous or you know you just are uncomfortable or it just it just makes you feel relaxed that's what people do so it is a different life not having that crutch and not having that drink to be able to you know it's like going to a wedding sober i you know i still can't go out and dance i can slow dance i don't even particularly like that but but i just you know have you been to um, do you dance a lot i mean i guess you do but maybe that just comes over time but i just it's it's hard it's hard. It's, well, it's hard be because you think that, every, well, and I think that the whole thing, it's not that you can't dance. Right. It's what other people think of you for dancing. It has nothing to do with you dancing because you could dance in your kitchen all day, couldn't you? Mm-hmm. I mean, you could dance with Lila, like her daughter, any day of the week, right? right? And you could dance and be so happy and let go and be free because she doesn't judge you. She's your daughter. She loves you no matter what. But when you go into a situation where there's all these different people around you, that noise of what they think about you always outweighs what we think about ourselves, right? Yeah. So we don't take ourselves and go, you know what? I'm just going to let go and be me. And whether or not people like me or not, it doesn't matter. It's like, this is a crazy example, but I'm just going to use this. So I, you know, I'm right now, I, I, I feel a little heavier than I like to be. So whatever, I'm starting to do this. this what is it called? I'm doing the in, intermittent, like not eating for eight hours or 12, 16 hours and then eating only for a couple hours and da, 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 da. But the, I got in my bathing suit and, you know, wearing a bathing suit as a woman especially is difficult at times, right? Mm-hmm. 
And when I drank, it was like, oh my gosh, I don't care. You know, I didn't care. And for a long time, I cared still. And I wouldn't wear a bikini because I'm like, oh my God, what are people going to think? Because I don't have the perfect body and I just don't look like Kate Moss and I don't look like Giselle. And I, I don't look like these models. And no, nothing's going to be, you know, I can't have anything fixed by a camera, right? Nobody's going to go in and edit it and make me look prettier. It's like, this is me and either you're going to like it or you're not. And I think the longer I stay sober, and I don't know if it's the fact that I'm also 50 and I don't care, but like I throw in that bikini and I don't care. But it's finally, I've gotten here to this place that I don't need to have everybody on the outside think that I'm okay. Because everybody on the outside, it doesn't really matter. It's what I feel inside of me. So if I decide that I'm going to dance and act crazy, I mean, nine out of 10 times, people already think that I'm drunk all the time anyway. People are like, oh my God, she's so drunk. Listen to how loud she is. Listen to how boisterous she is. But the re that's me. That's my personality. My personality is not that I'm going to be there and be quiet and just act like a church mouse. And I'm not going to go from being the alcoholic girl that was like, loud and I, I mean I was the loud and obnoxious drunk girl that actually fell down a lot and I drank a lot and I do things that were inappropriate like maybe take the mic I don't know if I take the mic today maybe if I was really inspired I could take the mic but nine out of ten times I want to be my authentic me and what everybody else thinks about me shouldn't outweigh the way I think about me but because of our society today, we let that outside stuff. It's like we let the people thinking like, if they knew I was an alcoholic, they're not going to be my friend. He's not going to want to date me again. Or, you know, I can't go and I can't dance and I can't wear this bathing suit because everybody's going to judge me and they're not going to like me. Well, if I don't like me, then who in the world's ever going to like me if I don't even like me? Right. <laughs> I mean, Really? But we sit here and all this outside stuff and we, and I drank so that I was okay. That I could at least be okay. But it was all lies, right? All the alcohol did was just make me a boob in so <laughs> many different ways. I mean, I think that like, cause I could never process alcohol like a normal person. I, oh, it was never enough, right? The buzz that I got was literally, I think it was 30 seconds. If you go and you really were, to, I mean, I don't I don't want to ever try it, but I'm sure someone out there, if you want to try it, go right ahead. But, you know, the buzz, that feeling of Mecca, meaning a perfect life, Mecca meaning like you're in heaven, like everything is absolutely exactly the way you want it to be at that moment, Mecca. And that drinking that I got from drinking, that buzz, that Mecca, lasted probably 30 seconds. But I wanted that feeling all the time. And the problem is, is that when you're an alcoholic, you never, it's never, ever enough. So you end up, at least I ended up, and I know you did too, we kept drinking and 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 drinking. Yeah, and I, and, and I also had people saying, you know, to me in my family, whether it was, you know, you didn't, you didn't really start drinking a lot until you were really unhappy, whether it was in my marriage or just, you know, they, you do start to question, you thinking, well, gosh, you know, if I wasn't in that situation, would I have, you know, did I just exasperate something that, that was there anyway, which is really what it is, um, you know, but if I look back on my marriage to my first husband who didn't drink, um, we had a great time. 
we love to people watch. We would go to the mall on a Friday night, we get our coffee, and we would just sit on a bench and we'd people watch and we'd talk about people, what we thought, you know, you know, who was together, who wasn't, you know, that it was just, we had so much fun. We went out to dinner. We went, we had really, you know, we just had a really nice time together um, with no alcohol. And I could still do that now. It's just, and it, I, I guess that's what it comes, you know, down to for me being single is that those are the things that you have to think about is that uh, I think about other people whether it be this person from yesterday just wondering you know how different is this going to look I mean where are we going to go and, and you know do you care about going to a bar meeting me at a bar and having dinner at the bar you know I I, I don't mind that um I'm just not going to have a buzz on and and quite frankly it's really not a good thing you know I mean that that is not when I'm at my best so take that away and I, I'm just you know I, I think I'm fine without alcohol but alcohol, our, you know I wasn't I wasn't taking the mic anywhere I wasn't like you describe you know I I I really drank to medicate and um, and even if I enjoyed going to a party or you know some event or whatever to drink, you know, the first, maybe let's say the first hour, I was drinking the way you should drink, which is just to have the glass in your hand and, you know, have conversations and mill around and, and talk to people. But then it was just those, the, you know, the, the hours after that, that just turned into the medicating. Um, you know, it was always the same. And what do you think out, you were medicating? Just my, my thoughts, everything in my head, being unhappy, being anxious. I was really anxious. Um, I, you know, going way back in my childhood, and I've mentioned that before with the whole Elizabeth Vargas, um, her book and everything. I, I related to it so much. I'm fascinated by her story because it's so much like mine. Um, just the, how much anxiety and depression was woven into, you know, the whole her whole story of of alcoholism. Um, you know everything I did, whether it was being on a, you know, flying. I couldn't, I couldn't fly without getting hammered, hammered. Um, you know now. And do you think it was the fear? And was it well? Obviously, getting on a plane, you don't have fear of what anybody else is thinking about you, right? Because you're in a plane, and who really cares? I don't know if that causes anxiety, like whatever he's going to think about you on a plane, or are you fearful that the plane's going to crash and you're going to die. I just was never settled in my brain, and so I never had, I never had calm in my life. I had anxiety all the time, and and in order to to get rid of that anxiety, I would drink. Because for the moment, it took care of it. Right, because it quieted that insecurity. It quieted the noise. It quieted that thing that said, all right, is everybody gonna like me? Is everybody gonna think I'm okay? Am I okay? Am I okay? I don't know, am I okay? I have to get a drink. What is everybody thinking about me? And it's like what you just talked about, like is the date gonna work, is it not gonna work? Like we focus so much time on what's gonna happen in the future, at least I have. I know for myself, like I remember that I was supposed to go on an event and this was just like probably four years ago, maybe even yeah, three years ago. And I was supposed to go and be with someone that I don't get along with. And I was like, how am I going to do it? What is it going to look like? What am I going to wear? Where am I going to sit? What am I going to eat? What am I going to do? Da, 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 da. And I spent all this time in my head focused on this event that was supposed to come. 
right? Mm-hmm. And um, the event never happened because there was a hurricane. But I spent a lot of time in my head trying to figure out how I was going to play something, right? Mm-hmm. How was I going to be okay in this situation? And my judgment was really big. My judgment, and actually we talked about it this morning, and I want to get your thoughts on this, but, you know, we read something and it was about good or bad. Like every situation had to be good or it had to be bad. When reality is, is that I don't even know what's good or what's bad. Because if I look back and I'm like, oh my gosh, my alcoholism, right, in the back was bad. Like people look at it as bad. Alcoholism is bad. It's bad I'm an alcoholic. Alcoholic's got a horrible, like horrible connotations to go with it. Alcoholism, you got the homeless person, you got the person on the bus, you got the person doing this, you got the person doing that. All these bad connotations go with alcoholism. But little did I know that alcoholism for me was good. It was awesome because it, my alcoholism propelled me to realize that it didn't matter. I'm an alcoholic, but guess what? Now, I don't have alcohol in my life. My kids don't have an alcohol mom that drinks, ever. My kids, I go to fraternity parties, and I'm not the mom that they have to tie a balloon on her back to let everybody know this is a mom, and she's going to get really drunk, and nobody should hit on her. (laughs) No, I'm the mom that's sober, and I'm there. So what I thought was so bad actually ended up being something really good. Well, and that's what I was saying yesterday that, that I just... If I, you know, if if I was asked if I could do it all over again, I really wouldn't change anything. I mean, I yes, I don't, I, I wouldn't want my children, I, I'm not happy that they were disappointed or fearful or whatever they, all the things that they were during the time that I was not a great mom. But at the same time, how, how our relationships have evolved because of the disease and their their understanding and their empathy and the, like all these things that really excelled you know um because they didn't really have a choice but but in the end it's just it's such a beautiful thing it was like when i was talking last week about my birthday and they gave me you know a basket full of 52 reasons why they love me i mean you know I can't even imagine that, and I and, and so many of them I think were a result of me. The one that said peacemaker, or you know that I I think that they see me making such an effort and you know just doing the right thing that they were able to write so many things about me. I mean, you know, it just blows my mind that they had fifty two reasons why they loved me. Um, you know go back rewind two years I mean what would we you know what would they have put down thankful that she's alive (laughs) forgets that she read that book to me last night I mean you know that kind of stuff it's just I'm so grateful for that um well it's interesting because it's also I think it's like we go through life and we it's through unfortunately and I don't know why this is but it's through the hard times that we come out so much stronger. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Our faith is stronger. Whatever your faith is. But like our faith, our like our spirituality is so much greater than it was. At least mine was so much greater than it was 13 years ago today. Like 13 years ago today, I didn't care. 
I didn't have any beliefs like I believe today. I couldn't see, like now I can see where God works in my life. And I'm like so grateful for that. But for so long, I would have said like, oh my God, being an alcoholic, like that's bad, bad, bad. And it's not. It's not in the shame. Like it's, and I think the people that when we feel ashamed and if you're out there and you're battling this and you're like, oh my God, I just can't stand this and I can't get off the merry-go-round. I, but they keep self-medicating because like you said, they have anxiety, they have depression. They can't stop the voice. Yeah. And then the shame of, of trying to get back into, if you're someone that goes to AA, going back in there, walking in and seeing all those faces and, you know, already having all that noise in your head as to what they're thinking, what they're saying to each other. <laughs> Don't go to the bathroom because they're going to they're gonna talk and, you know, well, how long is she going to be here this time? You know, that kind of thing. But if you just, I mean, it is just about quieting the brain and just allowing things to be what they are. And not putting a judgment on it. Like we have to not put judgment on it. And it's the shame and the remorse, the bitterness, all of it. It's like, how do I get off this merry-go-round? And it's literally just get off. And abstinence is the only thing that works, right? So once you get it out of your head, I just remember when I stopped drinking and I had to end that first year. And you know, so I got sober in August August 14th, and then I had to have, like, my first, what's the first thing, um, I guess, Labor Day, and I remember I had to go and find people, I, I, I had to tell somebody, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm at a Labor Day party, and everybody's older here, but everybody's drinking, and I need to tell, I had to tell my best friend that was there, I was like, oh my gosh, Najinia, I feel like I want to drink, I really want to drink, and she's like, okay, go to a meeting, I've got somebody who will take you to a meeting, because everybody knows somebody that's sober, right, so I had to voice that, and then it was like getting through your first Halloween and your first Christmas and your first New Year's and your first Thanksgiving. It's like all these things. But in my head, I was like, I don't know if, oh, how am I going to do this? How am I going to be present in my life? How am I going to be okay without that alcohol? Because that alcohol literally made me feel like I was okay, even though I was, uh, and for me, I was out in public, like I told you. I'm like, I was out in public. I was falling down. I would be in, I'd slur my words. I couldn't even talk. I'd be like, like I had like marbles in my mouth. And that to me, leaving that life was scarier than going and getting a life where I was going to be okay being me. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like being okay that it's okay. I don't drink. Like it, don't like it, don't really care. It's not really my problem. I have to go to, I, you know, we come into this world by ourselves and we leave this world by ourselves. And I have to believe in my heart that I know for a fact I am a way better person than I was when I was drinking. Yeah, I don't know about you, but I constantly have, you know, just situations, you know, whether I went to, I went to the vet the other day to bring my dog to get his nails clipped. And, you know, I saw the vet walked out and I mean, I know she recognizes me um, and she certainly recognizes my dog, but um you know, the last time I was actually in the room with her, because the last couple times I've gone, she had, she wasn't the vet on duty, so she, 
so I was with somebody else, but the last time was when I put my my you know dog down and I had drank and um you know and you know initially when I saw her you know we, we were just talking about my dog and then but but what was going on in my head because it's all this residual stuff that you, you just think about that you know did she see me now and think well she looks different or she just she seems different or was she just she you know did she know that I had been drinking I'm sure she did I mean you know and that kind of thing I can remember even I don't know why I just thought of this but I remember there was a um, a, a woman who had a grooming place and here in town and she I wanted to get my pictures taken oh well I wanted the dog's pictures taken so I had them taken but in the while we were doing the photo shoot she said do you want to take a picture with them and you know here I am in this little <laughs> cotton dress um, I had bruises on my legs, um, just from bumping into, you know, doors and drawers and everything else. And, and, sh and I was laying down with, <laughs> with these dogs, you know, trying to look somewhat cute. And I just, uh, my face was, I was bloated. My eyes were like, just, I looked so bad and I had these bruises on me and so anyway she takes the pictures I go through them I'm thinking like these are going nowhere <laughs> but then you know months after that I went back in there for something to get the dogs groomed or whatever it was and I and she has this big book on the coffee table of all the um of her all her photos you know just all her you know, um, studio shots that she had taken. And I was one of the first pictures and it was me laying down <laughs> <laughs> and I immediately got sick to my stomach. And I said to her, I said, Oh gosh, you know, she knew cause I, I got to be friendly with her. So she knew my situation. And I said, I, I really, really want you to, is there any way you could take this out? I just, I cannot look at this every time I come here and see this. Like, and then all of a sudden I thought, you know what? Now keep it keep it in there. It's good for me. You know, that was who I was. And I need to be reminded of that, how ugly it was. <laughs> but it's our ego. Like you just described our ego. Like our ego is the one that gives us the judgment that says whether or not we're good, we're bad. It's like our ego doesn't want us to look bad. Nobody wants us to, our ego is the one that doesn't want us to tell the truth. Right. Our ego is the thing that makes us say, oh no, we're not okay. Our ego is the one but that says, you know what, don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody your secrets. Even though everybody at least knew for me. And they knew for you, unfortunately. Sorry to tell you. <laughs> but, you know, that's the one thing. Like, everybody knows. And what are we trying to hide from? And right. that's where the mental illness comes. Like, it's like we just like we have to quiet the noise. And if you're out there and you're like, oh, my gosh, how am I going to do this? It's so hard. Yes, we can look at it being so hard. Or we can look at it as being so easy. Like we don't get multiple times to live our lives, right? We only get one time, we think. I don't know. if we Maybe Shirley McLean, she believes we come back numerous times. But all I know for a fact is that I think we only go once. And if we do, great. We can come back numerous. But 
that one time, like, what don't we want to live the best we can live? And if you realize that you and alcohol just don't get along, like I tried it every time. I call it Muhammad Ali. Like I drank it every different. It's like I get in the ring every time. I can do this. I'm only gonna have one. And next day, I'm like, holy shit, where's my car? And um, realizing that I just have to, I just have to keep doing this walk. I just have to keep doing this walk. And I can't put judgment on stuff anymore. Because I really don't know what's good or what's bad. I have no idea. Right. I have no idea. So don't let that shame or your head up thinking that it's not okay and that you're not good enough. Don't let the noise outweigh what you know in your heart. Like, don't listen to it. It's not worth it to listen to it because it lies to us. And, you know, our heads lie to us and our and our hearts lie to us. And sometimes we what we sit here and we believe in our heads is so not true. And But we, we listen to it because we think it's true, even though it's not. And don't let anybody not let you do what your dreams are. I mean, I'm going to end. We're going to end with this kind of story, which is my son Henry wants to change his major. And he went into school and he thought he's going to be a business major and he's going to go do this and he's going to go do that. And after a year, he's realized that that's not what he wants to do. So he said, Mom, I want to change. I said, go for it. Who says you can't change? Like, we have to embrace people that want to change, that have the courage to change. Like, that's the thing. Like, if there's somebody who's recovering from alcoholism, like every person listening to this podcast right now and you, I just want to go... Like, it's amazing. Like, awesome. You're taking care of you. You're not worrying what everybody else thinks. You're taking care of you. You're making yourself a better you. And if it's just for you, or if you have kids, it's best, better for your kids. It's better for your family. It's better for everybody. But do it for you. So you can give yourself the opportunity to feel like what it's like to be like, all right, I'm having this thought and I'm worrying about what this person thinks about me and if they're going to like me or not, if they're not going to like me and where I'm going to go sit at dinner. Like, who really cares? We're not even there yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't overthink it. Don't overthink it. And it's the old Buddhist way. I mean, as Buddha says, I mean, the, the most happy people are the people that live in the present. Right here, right now. And we learn that from meditation. I mean, we can talk about meditation next week. We'll talk about meditation next week. Yeah, I have some good stories for that. Yeah, we'll talk about some meditation next week because I can tell you this. Meditation has been something that I've had to learn to do better. But you aren't going to ever be perfect because I'm not going to be a monk and move to Tibet and live in my little, you know, in my temple monastery and every day have quiet and peace of quiet. But I do like it when my head, I can say to my head that this is not true what we're doing. And why do I need to worry about tomorrow? Because it's not even here yet. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. And please write to us. You can reach us at busy, B-I-Z-Z-Y, at busylivingsober.com. Go check out busylivingsober.com. And I'm on Instagram, Facebook, all that Twitter, all that fun stuff. And until next week, keep getting busy living Wheezy's going to say that one of these days. All right, talk to everybody next week. Take care. Bye-bye.